Uh, we'll go ahead and open in prayer. We'll dismiss our young people. And, uh, well, let's do that. Let's open in prayer. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, this morning. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of the day. Father, thank you for our Bibles. Uh, Lord, for uh, a wonderfully accurate translation of your inspired and preserved words. Uh, Lord, teach us to be grateful uh, for your words, for their uh, power uh, in our lives. Uh, Lord, they're your truth, and we thank you so very much this morning. Pray for each class now. Pray for the teens. Uh, pray for the young, uh, younger people. <laughs> pray for teachers this morning. Uh, pray you work in each class, Lord, for your uh, glory. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, young, younger people, you are dismissed. Uh, go forth. Go forth. Uh, the rest of us, let's take our Bibles, please. Uh, all this talk and singing of Bibles, Brother Ray, let's take our Bibles. Uh, turn to chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7 this morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 7 is uh, it's called a parenthetical chapter. Uh, why? Because it, uh, Brother Ray, it, it, it seems to be just a little bit outside of the chronology, the timeline. We see... Uh, we saw in the last chapter uh, six of those seven seal judgments uh, opened, and we saw some of the uh, aspects of the trial of the tribulation. Next chapter, we'll see allusion to the seventh uh, of those seals being opened, and uh, chapter seven is a little bit of a parenthesis, if you will, something that comes uh, between the sixth uh, and the seventh. Uh, it's a chapter that... Um, Certainly uh, very interesting. We see uh, reference to the 144,000 uh, in this chapter, and that's something that has been uh, well controversial over the years. You, you recall that the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, saw themselves uh, in this passage and, and claimed that uh, once there were 144,000 of them, that that would be it. Uh, they had some other uh, understandings built around that. Had to modify that when they got to 144,000, and uh, many more uh, continued uh, to be added uh, to their uh, assemblies. And so uh, they they had to revise uh, their thinking. Brother Ray, we um, we'll just understand it as the Bible presents it. Amen. Uh, so let's jump in here. Um, it seems to be the case that. Uh, the Lord is uh, restraining uh, the angel that is pouring, or angels uh, that are pouring out judgment. It says, hey, uh, let's, let's stop these seal judgments for a moment. We have some uh, additional business to accomplish. And so uh, Revelation 7 verse 1 says this, after these things, uh, John says, John writes, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, uh, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, uh, nor on any tree. Uh, and so it seemed to be the case that there's four angels that the Lord has placed uh, around the world, and, uh, and, and he um, implores them to, to pause uh, the judgments of the great tribulation. He, uh, he places them strategically around the, the world and says, okay, stop, stop this uh, outpouring of judgment uh, for a moment. Uh, probably, Zach, the four winds here are uh, sort of poetic, used use poetically. The, uh, the winds of judgment will be stopped. They will be ceased uh, for a time. Of course, the Lord is in perfect control 
uh, of his creation. And uh, if he means this literally, well, he controls the winds. Uh, that certainly uh, be the case. But I think the idea here is, is, is poetically. The, wi- the, uh, the winds of judgment uh, will be uh, ceased uh, or stopped for a moment. Verse 2, John continues. He says, I saw another angel ascending uh, from the east. And so there's, there's four that have been pictured. And now uh, another angel uh, sent from the Lord uh, ascending from the east. A very interesting language here, having the seal uh, of the living God, having the seal of the living God. And he cried uh, with a loud voice to the four angels, to the four other angels uh, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, hurt not the earth, uh, neither the sea nor the trees, till or until we have sealed uh, the servants of God uh, in their foreheads. Uh, And so this uh, uh, additional angel, fifth angel, comes on the scene. Uh, Zach has a messenger, it would seem, right? The Lord's message is, hey, uh, stop. Uh, he cried with a loud voice, um, hurt not the earth, don't, don't, don't allow any additional judgment uh, until what? And this language, which is interesting, until or until we have uh, sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Now, uh, as the passage goes on, it becomes quite clear uh, that there will be 144,000 uh, saved, which seem to be the idea, Uh, And these are sealed uh, by the Lord uh, for his purposes. Now, I want to take care here to say a couple of things. Brother Ray, it's pretty clear that uh, these are not the only people who will be saved uh, during the tribulation period. Uh, But but these perhaps are are the first. Um, The Lord will will save 144,000. We'll look at uh, a verse or two that implies that they will have a ministry in the tribulation period of, of going around the world, uh, preaching the gospel to the entire world uh, and, and, and leading others to be saved. And what is also clear here is that this 144,000, uh, these Jewish people, and, and I think Jewish men, Revelation chapter 14 makes that pretty clear, uh, they're, they're men representing the tribes, uh, the Jewish tribes, uh, who the Lord saves uh, and seals, that's the language here, right? Uh, and he will send them out during the tribulation, preach the gospel and lead others to Christ, uh, most certainly including uh, Gentiles. Now, the idea of sealing, that's, that's familiar to us, right? Uh, Brother Gary, we understand from Ephesians 1 uh, that the Holy Spirit has sealed our salvation. Uh, there in Ephesians 1, Bible says we are sealed uh, with that Holy Spirit of promise. I've mentioned this many times uh, back uh, years and years and years ago uh, when I used to teach uh, the youth class. We talk about uh, the the ministries of the Holy Spirit, one of them being his sealing ministry. Uh, We talk about how the the Holy Spirit seals our salvation uh, and that if, if that's the case, um, it, it's, it's like a super glue that, that seals our salvation. That's a bond that cannot be broken. One of the reasons that we believe our, our salvation uh, is, is absolutely secure, that nothing can uh, violate or alter or cause us to lose our salvation once we're saved, uh, because the Bible teaches it is, quote, sealed by 
the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, a seal, um, biblically, of course, was a symbol of uh, authority or ownership. No, no, we've talked about this over the years. Uh, letters would sometimes be sealed uh, with a wax seal that would uh, would uh, demonstrate physically that it had not been opened, that it had not been altered. The seal would be specific to the sender, so it would it would authenticate who is sending uh, the letter. It would authenticate that. Um, it was from that person, had their authority, and had not been altered, uh, the seal not being broken when the letter was received. And so uh, that's an that's image that seems to be borrowed by the Lord to convey a spiritual truth um, in Ephesians regarding all believers. We're sealed by the Lord. Uh, we're made his. Uh, we're sealed to him. Uh, he secures, the Holy Spirit has this ministry of sealing or securing our salvation. Uh, and so that's language that uh, we've come to understand back in Ephesians so that by the time we get to Revelation and see this language being used um, in the tribulation period, we understand that uh, this pretty clearly is a reference to salvation uh, and to the, the security, the sealing or se uh, securing uh, of the salvation of a group of individuals. Well, uh, let's see more about them here in verse 4. John says, I heard uh, the number of them which were sealed, uh, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand uh, of all the tribes of, of the children of Israel. So uh, it's 144,000 individuals, 140 and 4,000 uh, of the tribes uh, of the children of Israel. Uh, and so it's going to be, um, basically, it's 12,000 from 12 tribes. Uh, the tribe of Joseph is referred to twice. And we understand that that, that would be a reference to Manasseh and Joseph. Uh, but if you, um, if you come down um, to verse 5, uh, we see this. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben uh, were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad... Uh, were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Aser. So, you know, these, these are the, the Old Testament Jewish tribes. The tribe of Aser was sealed 12,000. Of the tribes of, of Nephthalim, uh, let me try it again, Nephthalim were sealed 12,000. Tribe of Manassas, uh, the elder of Joseph's sons, um, the other was Ephraim, uh, were sealed 12,000. Uh, of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi, uh, were sealed 12,000. I think you're getting the idea of the tribe of Issachar uh, were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulon uh, were sealed 12,000. Here's Joseph again of the tribe of Joseph uh, were sealed 12,000. And Benjamin uh, were sealed 12,000. So you have uh, 12 references to the tribes of uh, Israel, 12,000 from each. Uh, making uh, 144,000. Now do this. Uh, flip back to uh, chapter 14 uh, and, and look at verse 1. There's a reference here also to... <clears throat> go, go ahead and flip to Revelation 14. Let's pick it up here in verse 1 and make a couple more uh, observations here. Uh, John says here, uh, I looked... Uh, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, uh, with him 140 and 4,000. So seems to be, Brother Ray, the, the same 144,000 
uh, having his father's names written in their foreheads. And so uh, that's, that might be literal language. There, there's a seal placed upon them uh, in Revelation 7, Revelation 14. They're described as having father's names uh, on their foreheads. This, this could be quite literal, physical, uh, visible uh, seal uh, upon their foreheads. That's, that's possible, at least. Uh, alternatively, it could be simply sort of poetic language uh, describing the fact that they've been saved, uh, they've been sealed, uh, as we have been saved and, and we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 says, I heard a, a voice from heaven, John writes, as the voice of many waters uh, and as the voice of a great thunder. Uh, this is the voice of God. Uh, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Uh, verse 3 continues, they sung, uh, as it were, a new song before the throne, music before the throne, uh, before the four beasts, those are familiar to us, and the elders. Uh, no man could learn that song but the 144 and 4,000, uh, which were redeemed from the earth. And so, uh, sure enough, these 144,000, they've been redeemed, as, uh, as you've been redeemed, purchased by Christ, uh, bought back from the penalty of sin uh, and, 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 and released for his purposes. Uh, these are they which were not defiled with women, uh, for they are virgins. That's very interesting. Uh, it probably can be understood literally. I don't, I don't see any reason uh, why we would not understand uh, that language literally. Dr. Sorensen says this suggests they were unmarried uh, Jewish men who, who were virgins uh, chosen by the Lord uh, during the tribulation for uh, his purposes. Very interesting, not something we talk about an awful lot, but uh, you'll see that, understand that. He says, these are they which follow the Lamb uh, whithersoever he goest. Uh, these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits of God and to the Lamb. Uh, and in their mouth was found no guile, for they with, are without fault before the throne uh, of God. And so uh, a reference here to um, it would seem to be the case, uh, the same 144,000. Um, now, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's turn back to Isaiah 66. Go back there. Uh, for a moment, if you would, please. Isaiah 66. Of course, Isaiah uh, prophesied about uh, judgment coming uh, in his day, uh, but also prophesied a great deal uh, toward the end of Isaiah uh, regarding the future, uh, things that are still future to us today. Uh, prophesied regarding um, the tribulation period, uh, most certainly prophesied regarding um, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, um, and you know, wanted the Lord used him to make clear, Brother Ray, that while uh, in the near term they, they face judgment uh, for their sin, uh, trials and tribulations as, as a result of their sin, uh, and that there will be a, a time coming of great tribulation, but uh, for those who repented and came, came uh, to the Lord in faith, uh, there was a wonderful time of, of, of blessing to follow. Uh, in any event, um, in Revelation 66 and verse uh, 19, Revelation 66, uh, and I'll just make sure I have the right verse here. Um, yeah, Revelation 66, verse 19. Um, the Lord seems to be using Isaiah here in this passage 
to uh, refer to the same, uh, these uh, who, who are saved. Um, he says, I will set a sign among them, uh, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, uh, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, that draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, uh, to the isles uh, afar off, that have not heard my fame, uh, neither have seen my glory. Uh, see the next phrase, uh, especially, please. Uh, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Uh, and so if we understand correctly, and I think we do, uh, these 144,000, they, they have a sign uh, set upon them. So the language of Isaiah uh, seems to refer to this, this same uh, sign upon their foreheads, these 144,000. Uh, they're, they're not just saved uh, for, for no reason. They're saved to serve as evangelists uh, to those that have not heard of my fame, the Lord says, neither have seen my glory. Uh, they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. And so, uh, you know, we kind of put it all together here and we see during the tribulation period, the Lord will save 144,000 Jewish men uh, and he will use them to go out and evangelize lost Gentiles uh, for the balance of the tribulation period. Zach, that's consistent with our understanding of what the Lord is actually trying to accomplish, what he will accomplish uh, during the tribulation, kind of shaking people awake spiritually, right? Uh, okay, Lord, do you have our attention? Uh, what is it that you want? Well, there'll be 144,000 evangelists who are going to be prepared by the Lord, uh, chosen, set apart by him, saved by him, uh, to go out and answer that question. Okay, this is what's happening. This is that which was prophesied in various places throughout Scripture, most certainly including the book of Revelation. Um, uh, this, is, this is that time. Uh, what the Lord wants is for you to see that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Uh, he came once. He died on the cross. Uh, he was buried. He rose again. And he's about to come again. And so you do well uh, to place your faith in him now. So, uh, yeah, the Lord has a, a great purpose for the tribulation uh, and for these who he saves um, at that time. Uh, Brother Gary, of course, we understand that we've been saved for the Lord's purposes also uh, during this, the church age. We've, we've, we've not been saved just so that we can avoid hell. We've been, we've been saved so that we can have a a relationship with the Lord, uh, and so that we can serve him today uh, in this age and, and be about his business now. We're, uh, we're saved uh, from the consequence of our sin uh, for uh, the Lord's great purposes. Don't forget uh, that primary purpose would be the Great Commission, uh, which the Lord gave in Matthew 28, go out and share the gospel. And so uh, certainly there's a great parallel between the purpose of our uh, salvation today uh, and the, the Lord's stated purpose for uh, the salvation of these 144,000. Let's go back to Revelation. Uh, so we see here the Lord has a, a plan to reach people. Uh, it involves certainly uh, a great trial, a series of, of, of great trials that make up the great tribulation. Uh, he, has, he has a plan to get people's attention. Uh, he has a, a plan to communicate the gospel to, him, to them. 
Uh, and so anyone who wants to be saved at that time can be saved. Um, by the way, you, you may have heard people teach uh, that no one will be saved during the tribulation. Uh, people argue sometimes the Holy Spirit is taken away. Uh, no one can be saved. Uh, and so, you know, you need to just encourage people to get saved before the tribulation period because it's too late after that. Uh, I heard that. I, I was taught that a variety of times over the years and think that's absolutely wrong. I think it's very clear in Scripture that uh, the Lord intends to use the tribulation period to reach people uh, and to save people. There's evangelists. Well, there's people getting saved to become evangelists, and there's other people uh, who get saved. So, uh, you know, I was, I was taught something on Brother Ray I think was wrong uh, based on what I can actually see uh, in Scripture. Let's come back and um, pick it up here, Revelation uh, 7, verse 9. It uh, seems to be that the scene changes now. So uh, John is given a vision regarding the salvation of these 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Uh, and then the scene changes. Uh, and now he's privileged again to, to see heaven uh, once again. He says, after this, so after that vision of these 144,000, uh, he says, after this I beheld, uh, and lo, uh, a great multitude, uh, which no man could number, of all nations uh, and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne uh, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, uh, and uh, read the last, uh, last phrase with me, please, and palms in their hands. That's very interesting. So um, palms in their hands. Let's go back to John 12 for a minute. Uh, go back to John chapter 12. Yeah, if you need to grab a Bible, go ahead and do that because once you see these verses uh, for yourself, please. Uh, John chapter 12 and uh, verse 13. Uh, this would be the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, sometimes called the, the triumphal entry, uh, the entry of Christ into Jerusalem. Now, you remember that at that time, uh, people were looking for the Messiah to come charging in uh, and to rescue them from the oppression of the Romans. Uh, that's the delivery. That's the salvation that uh, Jewish people were looking for in their Messiah uh, at that time. And so, uh, no doubt when Jesus came into Jerusalem, uh, they were looking to him. Those who understood him to be the Messiah uh, were looking for him to come in and, and, and do that, accomplish this mighty victory uh, over the Romans uh, on their behalf. John 12, verse 13 uh, says uh, this. He, uh, they, they took branches of palm trees. Do you see that? Yes? Okay, they took, they took branches of palm trees uh, and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna. Uh, Hosanna translates to, oh, save, uh, something like that. Oh, oh, save, save, save us. Uh, blessed is the king of Israel uh, that cometh uh, in the name of the Lord. Now, I know we've talked about palms a, a little bit over, over time, but may, maybe not enough. Um, they were used traditionally... Uh, as a symbol of victory, 
uh, sometimes joy, but uh, they, they were used to celebrate victories. They, they, they had that sort of historical, cultural uh, significance. They were a symbol of joy uh, in victory. And so uh, as, as people uh, cast down uh, palm branches before the Lord, uh, they were anticipating, Brother Ray, the joy uh, of a victory that Christ would achieve for them. They, uh, they had the wrong idea, certainly. There was, there was an error uh, in their understanding. Well, we, we know the Lord ultimately will, will conquer his uh, earthly foes uh, at Armageddon at his second coming. But that's not, that's not why he came uh, initially. He came uh, initially not to conquer uh, earthly armies or empires, uh, not to conquer the Roman Empire, uh, but to deliver people from the consequence of their sin. Uh, people have this wrong, the vast majority uh, of them at least. Uh, so they were, they employed or, or, or used the palms uh, to express their hope uh, that the Lord would give them a victory over uh, not sin, but, but over uh, the Roman Empire. And so uh, they had some things wrong. We, we understand that. Nonetheless, uh, it's quite possible that the, the use of the palms in Romans 12 uh, may foreshadow uh, what we see here in, in Revelation 9. Come, come back to Revelation 9 uh, for a moment. Well, come back to Revelation 7, I should say, in verse 9. Let's see this again. He says, Behold, uh, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, it was not just uh, Israel, not just Jewish people, that's pictured here. Uh, many have been saved from many nations, all kindreds and people, uh, all people groups and tongues, uh, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes. Uh, we understand white robes pictures the purity uh, they're, they're, they're having been, their sins having been covered by the blood of Christ. Uh, they're, they're now pictured as, as white, sin having been covered, uh, and palms in their hands. Uh, and so, Zach, there's, there's no error being pictured here, right? Uh, these, these who have palms in their hands, uh, they're, they're, they're celebrating, it would seem to be, a, a victory uh, over sin. They're expressing a joy uh, at the victory that they have uh, benefited from, that the Lord has procured for them over sin. Uh, and so what was employed really wrongly uh, as the Lord came into Jerusalem uh, during his earthly ministry is now employed, we might say correctly, uh, accurately, uh, the people uh, correctly, accurately, these, these people who are pictured at the throne uh, celebrating uh, victory over sin that's been achieved by them uh, on behalf of the Lord. And so uh, I think this is, this is the idea here. People had some things wrong during the Lord's ministry, uh, but by the time people have been saved and, and they're before the throne room in heaven, uh, people have got some things right. Uh, they're celebrating the right thing, not, not victory from an uh, earthly enemy, but victory over sin made possible by Christ. Again, we know that when he comes again, he'll, he'll uh, execute uh, and achieve a victory over his earthly enemies, but that's not why he came the first time. And so uh, we take care to understand this. 
Now let's continue on, Revelation 7, verse 10. These, these same ones uh, in the throne room, people who've been saved, cried uh, with a loud voice, saying, Salvation uh, to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, uh, and unto the Lamb. What are they doing here, Zach? Uh, what, are, what are they doing here? They're, uh, they're, here they are before the Lord. They're worshiping him, yeah. The palm is, is a picture of their celebration, of their uh, salvation. Uh, and they go on in verse 10, cry with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God uh, and, and unto the Lamb. Yeah, they're, they're, there's a, a worship here that, that's wonderful. They're, they're celebrating their salvation and they are worshiping uh, the Lord. And it's, that's, a, that's a right response, Brother Ray, to their salvation. They're uh, they're worshiping the Lord. Verse 11 says this, all the angels stood uh, round about the throne uh, and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces uh, and worshiped God. Uh, and see here in verse 12, the content uh, of their worship. Uh, they're saying what? They're saying amen. What do you make of that? They say Amen. What does amen mean? Truth, so let it be, something like that. Uh, blessing and glory and wisdom uh, and thanksgiving and honor and power uh, and might be unto our God uh, forever and ever. Amen. That's, that's worship uh, in the throne room of God. So these uh, who've been saved, uh, they're in heaven now. Uh, by the way, it would be a temptation to think maybe these are those been saved through the evangelistic ministry of the 144,000. That might be the case uh, in context. I don't know, Brother Ray, for sure uh, if that's the case, but certainly it could be the case. Uh, but these, what matters is that you know, these, these obviously are people who have been saved uh, and they are picturing worshiping the Lord uh, it, before his throne. And uh, Zach, I, I know that, um, or I, I would expect that based on all the visions of worship before the throne is that, you know, we, we, will, we will have this same opportunity. Uh, I'll, certainly, it seems to be the case that uh, one of our, part of our hope, one of our expectations is that we're going to uh, spend time in eternity worshiping the Lord before his throne. Uh, that, you know, if we died today to be absent from the body, Brother Ray, to be present with the Lord and probably enter into that worship today. Uh, we know there'll be worship of the Lord during his thousand-year millennial reign upon the earth. We know there'll be worship of the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth and new Jerusalem, our, the place of our final residence throughout all of eternity. Uh, we're we're going to spend eternity worshiping the Lord. So, uh, what does John see here? What's the content of their worship? Well, they're, <clears throat> they're, they're ascribing uh, honor to the Lord here. Uh, they, they praise him uh, in seven ways uh, by ascrib ascribing to him what? Blessing uh, and then glory. They say, Lord, you're glorious. Uh, Lord, you're wise. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for all you've done for us. Lord, you're worthy of honor. Uh, Lord, you have great power that uh, they're worshiping him. And remember, we've talked about this recently. 
uh, when you see uh, worship in scripture, a lot of the content of that worship, you know, beyond the simple idea of sort of bowing yourself before the Lord, uh, is praising him for who he is, for what he's like, uh, his attributes. Lord, you're wonderfully this. Lord, Lord, you're wonderfully that. Uh, giving praise to him for who he is uh, and what he's like. Is he glorious? Uh, yeah, he's, he's glorious. Get a cross-reference down. So let's, let's kind of take these one by one. I'll give you one cross-reference for each one. Uh, they praise him for his glory. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6 says this, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts uh, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Yeah, our, our God is uh, a glorious God. Let's, let's do this. Zach, I'm going to give you a verse to look up, Romans eleven thirty three. Uh, Brother Ray, going to give you a verse to look up. It'll be... Um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Brother Garcia, I give you Revelation uh, 4, 11. Uh, Brother Gary, if you're able to, sir, I'll give you Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. And uh, uh, have you guys uh, read those verses. Uh, Zach, are you in Revel I'm sorry, Romans 11, 33? Did I give you the right verse? Okay, so uh, they're, they're praising the Lord for uh, his, his blessings uh, and his glory uh, and then his wisdom. Yeah, go ahead and read Romans 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Amen. Uh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable uh, are his judgments and his ways uh, past finding out. Yeah, the Lord has that kind of wisdom. Uh, a wisdom that's, uh, that's unsearchable. It's, it, it's, you know, we, we can look to the Lord for wisdom. We can look to his words for wisdom. Uh, we can pray to him for, um, for, his, for, for power from him to exercise godly wisdom. Uh, but his wisdom is, is ultimately even greater than what we can comprehend. Uh, he has that kind of wisdom. Uh, he's a God who is worthy uh, of our giving thanks, of, of, of our gratitude, uh, and, and not just on Thanksgiving. Brother Ray, you have uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So that's verses that we go to a lot, uh, verses that teach us uh, how to pray regarding our anxieties. But go ahead, sir. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, go ahead and read verse 7 also. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's, there's a promise of peace uh, for those who uh, uh, turn their uh, cares uh, prayerfully over to the Lord, those things which cause us to be anxious. We give those things over to the Lord. Uh, he promises peace. But a lot of times we skip over that with thanksgiving part. Lord desires that we, we not just say, Lord, I'm worried about this, this, and this, but we, uh, we couple uh, the giving over of our cares and concerns, our anxieties 
uh, with gratitude, with thankfulness. Lord, uh, here's, here's what's troubling me, here's what's bothering me, but boy, Lord, I got a list of things that I'm thankful uh, to you for also. Lord, thank you that I can bring you these prayer requests. Thank you uh, that you're there for me. Thank you that you're with me no matter what. Thank you, Lord, for your promise of peace as I turn my cares and concerns over to you uh, with thanksgiving. And so, uh, here in the throne room, they're, they're praising the Lord uh, for his blessings, for his glory, for his wisdom. Uh, they're, they're giving thanks unto the Lord. Uh, and then honor. Brother Garcia, did I give you Revelation 4.11? Uh, would you read that verse, please? Amen. You know, I love that verse. I go there all the time. Uh, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and, and honor and power. Why? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Sure enough, the Lord has created all things. Uh, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, uh, he created them for his pleasure. Don't forget that. We're created for the Lord's pleasure. Uh, everything that he created is created for his pleasure. Uh, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and, and power. Lord, help us to begin to comprehend just how much honor you deserve, uh, how much honor we should be giving to you. Uh, he's worthy of, uh, of, of glory. Uh, he's worthy of thanksgiving. He's worthy of our giving honor to him. Uh, this word power here... Um, is uh, uh, an allusion, Brother Ray, to their worshiping him for uh, his power, his force, and his might. Uh, power and might, under underlying words, have similar ideas, and so do the English words that translate them. Gary, are you able to, to do Jeremiah 32, 17 for us? Thank you, sir. Nothing too hard for thee, uh, including helping a man who couldn't see a letter uh, a couple years back to now be able to see uh, words and, and read them. There's nothing too hard for the Lord, praise God, uh, a miracle in our midst, and I, I, I'm so encouraged by that. Uh, saying amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Jeremiah said, ah, Lord God. Uh, ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth, that's right, by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing uh, too hard for thee. That's a great verse, amen. That's a great verse to learn and just pray back to the Lord. Jeremiah is praying those words uh, to the Lord. That's a great verse to learn. That'll encourage you. That'll please the Lord. You pray that right back to him. Lord, there's nothing too hard for thee. You made the heaven and the earth, uh, the heavens and the earth. Praise God. Uh, yeah, this is a God, our God, the one true God, uh, who is worthy of our worship. We bow down humbly before him, uh, and we praise him, and we give him honor for who he is uh, and, and for what he's like. Uh, you won't worship the Lord, uh, you know, a little bit of prayer along these lines uh, goes an awfully long way. 
Uh, let's go um, kind of quickly. I want to read down through the end here. Um, I get excited about the worship passages. You know that. Uh, John has a, a quick interaction here with one of the elders in the throne room regarding the identity of these who are pictured in the white robes. Verse 13, one of the elders answered saying uh, unto me, uh, what are these or who are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? Uh, they're the tribulation saints. Uh, he said, verse 14, I said unto him, sir, thou knowest, uh, he's being very respectful. He said unto me, he said, and he said to me, there we go, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood uh, of the lamb. The blood, the blood, the blood, it's the blood of Christ shed upon the cross that covers our sins. Uh, these been saved in the great tribulation having put their, their faith uh, in Christ and his blood that covers our sins. Uh, therefore, verse 15, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Uh, and he that sitteth on the throne shall, shall uh, dwell among them. So their response to having been saved, uh, we've seen uh, worship. Uh, John says they're serving him day and night in the temple. One of the ways they're serving him, really the primary way that we can see they're serving him is by worshiping him. And I don't know if you thought about uh, your worship as being service, your service as being worship, but uh, this passage certainly associates service uh, with worship. We serve the Lord a variety of different ways. One of the ways, Brother Ray, is, is, is worshiping him, praising him. Um, he says, he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Uh, sure enough, in the millennium, uh, the Lord will dwell among us. In, in the new heaven, new earth, the Lord will uh, dwell among us. We will dwell with him. Uh, verses 16, 17, we'll see this quickly and we're done. Um, they'll be greatly blessed uh, by the Lord. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them uh, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's our heavenly hope. <laughs> That's our hope of heaven, the Lord's perfect provision for his people. That's provision that we'll know in heaven. That's provision that we'll know uh, in the millennial reign of Christ. That's provision of the Lord that we'll know uh, eternally in the new heaven and in new earth. We have a great hope. Lord, help us uh, to get a hold of that wonderful hope that we have uh, take some time today, worship you, praising you for who you are, for what you're like, and for the, the very certain hope that you've given us. We need to stop, and so we will. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this passage uh, in uh, Revelation. We've, we've called it a parenthesis in the timeline, uh, but certainly it's a wonderful <laughs> parenthesis. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that in the midst of all the the judgment uh, that John has seen you uh, begin to unfold, your, your plan to reach people. Uh, we have this wonderfully hopeful scene conveyed as well. Lord, we know that uh, you will pour out judgment during the tribulation period, uh, but it is for a purpose that uh, people who come to Christ would, would have the same hope that is pictured here, the same hope that we have today. Lord, give us hearts to worship you, 
uh, today for who you are and for the hope that we know in you. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for being here. Sorry I went a little bit late. Uh, we'll be back shortly. We'll be back shortly. See you soon. <laughs>